It's all killer, no filler, the D2C podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and it's Black Friday. In honor of the most important day on our listeners' calendar, we're rewarding the D2C audience with an absolute masterclass presentation by Clifford from Pilot House's Amazon growth team. You might have heard Clifford on the podcast, and you know he's a beast. At our live mastermind event in Victoria, we turned Clifford loose for an hour and asked him to lay out all of his best learnings for Amazon growth. If you're a brand, listen to this and start making a list of things to ask your agency just to see if they're thinking about Amazon performance like this. Happy Black Friday and on with the show. Amazon keeps getting larger and they keep expanding their advertising into different platforms. You can get attribution right down to the store level if your product is sold in Whole Foods. You could run an ad on Thursday Night Football, which is on Prime Video, and you could get attribution of that ad if someone literally buys it in a Whole Foods location. The attribution that Amazon has because they have this ever-expanding network of Prime Video and streaming TV and all of the different brick-and-mortar retail that they're doing with owning Whole Foods and Prime stores they're expanding to, this means that this is all still within that closed Amazon advertising channel. So advertising anywhere, you can get attribution all the way down to the store level, which is kind of unheard of. Thousands of people have jump-started their TikTok content strategy using Coley's TikTok Creative Brief template. That's because it has all the steps for successful creator collaborations and best practices to create fun and engaging TikToks. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, don't worry. Coley just dropped a brand new version of their popular template filled with even more tips and insights to level up your TikTok game. Head to coley.com slash TikTok. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash TikTok to download your free copy and start creating TikToks for your brand that people actually want to watch. So I'm Clifford. Technically, my position is lead Amazon media buyer at Pilot House, which basically just means I help develop and lead the strategy of kind of just our whole Amazon approach to things. Um, So I'll start with kind of going through everything to do with selling on Amazon as a whole here. So I'll start probably pretty quickly through a lot of this. But my first bit here is why not Amazon? There's probably a lot of reasons not to sell on Amazon. First, it's not on the slide, but there might be a whole bunch of moral reasons that you don't want to sell on Amazon. They have a lot of not great business practices. They probably don't treat their employees that well. There's a whole bunch of things about Amazon that people don't like for some really good reasons. Um, So if you're one of them, I don't blame you. Uh, Outside of that, a big loss of customer data and retention. The Amazon platform just doesn't give you much. They consider them their customers if you're selling on their website, so they don't They don't give you that data. Um, Also, if you've been selling on Amazon before, very frustrating lack of support from their seller support side. They're incredibly frustrating to deal with. It's not fun. Um, Also, possibility of knockoffs. Obviously, there's always a possibility of your product being knocked off when you're selling DDC. But on Amazon, people have a little bit more access to different data points. And it's likely a lot easier to go through that process to knock off your product. It's always going to be a concern. Third-party undercutters, if you sell um, through retail distribution of some sort, you likely are selling to selling wholesale to different channels. That typically means that you are opening up yourself on Amazon to be undercut by third parties selling your same product on your listing. And it's an open marketplace, so if people can get your product for cheaper and it makes sense for them to sell it, they will. Um, less profitability, this of course depends on your ad spend and things like that, but Sale to sale, of course, someone on your website, you have no fees other than getting it to that customer. On Amazon, you have to pay a platform fee to Amazon. Of course, it's one sale to one sale is usually less profitable. They have a strict pricing policy as well. Amazon has like bots similar to Google. Crawl the internet will try to find your product somewhere else for cheaper. And if it is cheaper, they'll penalize you in different ways on the website. So it's a pretty strict pricing policy. Um, No recourse for negative reviews is one of the Also, more there's a lot of frustrating things about selling on Amazon, actually, as I go through this. Um, One of the more frustrating things about Amazon is there's nearly no recourse for negative reviews. People can say basically whatever they want. They could lie. A lot of times, you really can't do anything about it other than try to flood them out with positive reviews. Um, And a lack of tight brand control. This is improving over time as Amazon adds more different ways to display your brand in different modules and store pages and things like that. 
the difference in brand control you have, obviously, on Amazon compared to your website is day and night. So those are all the reasons why not Amazon. Of course, I have a bunch of reasons why Amazon, or else I wouldn't be up here. Um, largest marketplace in the world, of course. 160 million Prime members in the US, and there's only about 120 million households in the US. So you can imagine the amount of purchase data they have on every single person across the country. Um, it can be used to handle your DTC shipping customer service. One of the biggest parts about using Amazon is you can just send them your stuff, throw up your listing, and they'll handle all of the rest of it for the most part, which is nice. You can also use them to fulfill your DTC orders if you'd like. So you could send that inventory to Amazon, use that inventory in Amazon's warehouse, use those people to pick, pack, and ship your products to customers. So some people use Amazon as a 3PL as well. Organic revenue driver is the big one. The entire purpose of selling on Amazon is to capture that market of people. It's one of the biggest reasons to be on Amazon is you're taking advantage of people that are already there. To your website, it's obviously going to be a lot harder to get organic sales. Not a lot of people are coming to your website and just naturally typing in your URL and coming to it. A lot of people are doing that with Amazon. So you get that organic sale without having to, say, send out an email blast to remarket to people or run some retargeting or remarketing to get them back to your website. They're already on Amazon. So that organic revenue driver is the really big long-term strategy with Amazon. Um, I would say with a good strategy, it complements and doesn't compete with DTC. With a bad strategy, I'd say it does compete with your DTC. There's no attribution problems. Of course, this is the other big one with all of the different challenges that have happened with Apple updating things. Um, because Amazon is a closed platform from ad to sale, you're not going to have the same attribution problems that you have with running ads on Meta or other places that you're losing that data and you have to use some sort of third party that's guessing or however other methods you guys have talked about probably a lot here. Um, but you don't have that problem with Amazon because add all the way to the sale all happens through that channel. Expanding on that, Amazon keeps getting larger and they keep expanding their advertising into different platforms. You can now, if you're a large enough brand, you can get attribution right down to the store level. If your product is sold in Whole Foods, you could run an ad on Thursday Night Football, which is on Prime Video, and you could get attribution of that ad if someone literally buys it in a Whole Foods location. So the attribution that Amazon has because they have this ever-expanding network of both like Prime Video and streaming TV and all of the different now brick-and-mortar retail that they're doing with owning Whole Foods and all the other things and different Prime stores they're expanding to, this means that this is all still within that closed Amazon advertising channel. So advertising anywhere, you can get attribution all the way down to the store level, which is, of course, kind of unheard of. Um, so that's why Amazon. <laughs> it brings me then to your approaches to Amazon as a DTC channel. Um, the first and most obvious is just to fill the leaky bucket. You're running all this ad spend to your website. There is a certain amount of shoppers that don't want to buy from randomx.com. They've never heard of you. They don't trust it. They're going to see your ad and they're going to go search your product on Amazon. If you're not on Amazon at all, they'll likely find a competitor when they search your name. If you go search Lululemon on Amazon, most of the ads that come up as soon as you search Lululemon are for knockoff Lululemon brands because Lululemon isn't on Amazon directly. Um, so they're just bleeding market share to basically every single shopper that bounces off to Amazon from their website. So just filling that leaky bucket, just throwing up listings, ensuring you're running maybe a small amount of branded, and just capturing that market share that you might be losing is the really the easiest, simplest approach to just throwing things up on Amazon. Um, also running it parallel to DTC, so we see this a little bit more, you wanna take it a little bit serious, a little bit more seriously. You run Amazon parallel to DCC with a very similar strategy, steady, profitable growth, keep it kind of somewhat low scale, you don't go too heavy in it, but you just use it as an additional sales channel in the same way you would use any other marketplace uh, in addition to your website. And then Amazon is a primary channel. We don't see this as much as we'd like, of course, um, but Amazon can work quite well as a main sales channel, especially because of the ease that you get with being able to, as I said, have them handle almost all of those logistics. So if you have a brand new product you wanna bring to market, it's really easy to get your branding together throw up that Amazon listing and 
just start to see some traffic, start to see some initial sales really quickly if you have something unique about it or something like that. So it works quite well for that, and especially if you've like built a better mousetrap. Like if you have the amazing new, um, I'll use running shoes a lot as examples here. If you have some amazing new running shoe that has something specific and unique about it, you could throw that up on Amazon, get some initial customer reviews, and get some really quick initial data. So it can work quite well as a main channel or a primary channel for a brand new brand that you don't need to invest super heavily into right off the bat. Um, and then lastly, I think this is probably becoming a growing and primary approach to Amazon is that as as a customer acquisition driver. So this is using it more like taking advantage of those logistics uh, advantages to use like do like single purchase sales. So you sell a six pack or a 12 pack on your website because that's the only thing that makes sense when you have to ship out. So you could sell a single unit on Amazon because maybe the logistical pricing of their shipping makes a lot more sense. You sell the single there, use it as kind of a customer acquisition driver. You have some insert in your packaging. You do some sort of minimum amount that you can do on Amazon to follow up with that customer and you hope they eventually come over to your website. Usually this is a much more affordable customer acquisition driver than trying to bring new shoppers who aren't interested in your product at all onto your website. Um, first thing is Seller Central versus Vendor Central. This means Seller Central is the typical throwing up a listing, selling it on Amazon. This is basically a consignment model. You're sending in your inventory to an Amazon warehouse. As it sells through, you get paid on it and they take their cut. Vendor Central is for larger brands and it works a lot more typical to a wholesale relationship like you're just in Amazon as a retail channel. So you sell to them, they generate POs based on your sales volume, and then you're just selling directly to Amazon as a platform. Advantages and disadvantages of both, for the most part, a lot of it is the same. You still manage your advertising and your listing and things like that on Vendor Central in the same way that you do on Seller. Um, there's different like little bits that you take advantage of on each side. Problem that a lot of brands run into on Vendor, and you'll hear a lot of people say that Vendor is a lot less profitable and things like that, is they treat it exactly like that typical wholesale channel when you could just tell Amazon that your cost of wholesale is way higher than it actually is and get more profit out of it than you might normally from a traditional uh, wholesale relationship. And a lot of the time they'll accept that. And we've seen brands who we charge Amazon $20 for the product and Amazon's literally selling it for like $21. So we're making a killing in profit because we're just selling it to them at such a high margin. And their system that's in place, at least right now, doesn't really do anything to stop you from doing that. Um, so then what does success look like on Amazon? Similar to Google, um, Amazon is just a massive search engine. That's really, at the end of the day, what it is. Not a lot of people go on Amazon and hit like browse by category. Most people go and they search. It's actually the largest product-based search engine in the world. And of course, these people are there to buy things. They have insane purchase intent. Um, and so, similar to Google, ranking on Amazon is really the name of the game. If you can rank up for a certain keyword, you can just net these organic sales that come through forever. Well, maybe not forever, but as long as you're ranked up there. If you search running shoe on Amazon and you're the first running shoe result that comes up, you're getting probably 70, 80% of the organic sales to the word running shoe. Um, and this is of course an opportunity that you can almost get nowhere else like where else can you compete with Nike and Adidas and these other large brands as a brand new running shoe brand? Um, but you have that chance on Amazon to compete with these other brands. Really starting to sound like I work for them. <laughs> I do not. Uh, I have a very love-hate relationship with Amazon. Um, so how does the algorithm work? Of course, they've never come out and explicitly said it, but for the most part, very similar to how you'd expect. Amazon's main goal is customer first, customer always. They want to show every shopper the list of products that they are most likely to be relevant for, most, the most likely they are to purchase. So then what drives this like um, relevance? What do they use to drive that relevance? For the most part, you're saying things like conversion rate, um, and just like your number of conversions compared to your competition, things like your click-through rate on your listing compared to your competition, things like your relevance to the shopper. So Amazon will take inventory into account. If you're using Amazon's fulfillment network, they distribute your inventory, of course, throughout the US, 
specifically if we're talking about the US, but they distribute that inventory throughout the country. And if your inventory is closer to that person, they can get one day shipping. And this other product, they can only get three day shipping. Amazon is more likely to give you a little bit more weight in that relevance than the other one. So inventory is also taken into account. Um, ratings and reviews, these don't seem to directly affect the algorithm, but of course they're gonna affect your click-through rate and they're gonna affect your conversion rate. So of course that's a major factor and similar with price, of course. Um, and then it's pretty clear as well that all of that was kind of on a search term by search term level. For the most part, like if you're just on the word women's running shoes, most of those rankings are for the word women's running shoes only. But we do see some bleed over. If you end up ranking up super high on women's running shoes, typically you're gonna rank up decently on the word running shoes. Somehow, we don't know if it's directly because of that or it's through that term on its own, but there does seem to be some bleed over from search terms to another if you're selling well on some and others. Um, the link in the deck here to a YouTube video. It's like probably one of the only times anyone has ever talked about Amazon's algorithm. And it was one of their engineers from A9.com, which is a very mysterious secret little division of Amazon. Um, it's very technical, but because it's literally from a machine learning conference. But if you're interested, uh, someone does talk about it a little bit. And the most interesting insight I got out of it is the way that they treat new products on Amazon. And their example was, if the new Harry Potter book just dropped, drop like I'm a, <laughs> it's like popping off. Um, but <laughs> if the, the new Harry Potter book just came out and you're a searcher, you're a, a shopper who goes on Amazon, you search Harry Potter book, Amazon wants to show you that new one right away, but now they have all this, these three or four older Harry Potter books that have a ton of conversion rate history. They have all this sales volume. They have way more data to say, these are the better Harry Potter books to rank up for it. So this is one of their issues they had to solve over time. And for the most part, it seems like the way this is handled is your like say first day is compared to those other products first day. So if on that first day when someone searches Harry Potter book, you have this insane conversion rate and this insane click through rate, then you will bump up the rankings really quickly compared to the other products that you're comparing to in the search. Um, but yeah, that new product effect is very critical because it doesn't only apply to a Harry Potter book, but if you're coming out with a new product and you dial in everything before you launch, you make sure that all of your branding is on point, all of your SEO on your listing is on point, all of your advertising is ready to go, and you turn it all on as soon as you get there, then you're going to show to Amazon's algorithm that you have a higher click-through rate than the current competition on the search terms, you have a higher conversion rate, and it's one of the best ways that you can rank up quickly for some of these organic terms and take advantage of that volume that's already on the website. So then, all of that to say, how do you do that? There's a lot of products on Amazon. What is good product fit? Um, really, the main point is really bringing something unique to the platform. If you're selling, and this happens a lot in the supplement space, of course, if you're selling just another protein powder beside the other protein powders, it's gonna be insanely expensive. You're competing against brands who are, one, right beside you. This is not something that happens on your DTC site. Your competitors aren't literally right beside you, priced beside you. Um, on Amazon, they are. So if you're not offering something either cheaper with or has something unique or better about it, you're gonna have a really hard time for the most part. It's gonna be really just generally expensive. Like you might not have a better product, but if all your competition, maybe they don't put a lot of effort into their Amazon listings or they don't do much in terms of advertising, sure, you could get an advantage that way. But if you're approaching Amazon from the beginning, just you know, have a good product. <laughs> so just so easy, just have a good product. Um, but worse than just the competition aspect, as I said from the beginning, reviews are nasty on Amazon. People are very blatant, and a lot of them will be lies and slanderous or whatever you want to call it, and we are fighting against them all the time. But like anything you can do to fend those off should be done. So having a really good product that doesn't have some flaw that's going to tick people off is so critical, because your bad reviews are just going to tank your conversion rate, and they're going to tank 
basically everything else. So simple things, like if you're a protein powder, like I said, make sure it doesn't taste bad. Like you might have all the best ingredients in the world, but if it tastes terrible, all of your reviews are just gonna be, it tastes really bad. Or you could have like the best face cream in the world that gets rid of every single possible wrinkle. It's incredible, all of the best ingredients, but it's got a weird smell to it. Like you're kind of still screwed. You're gonna get horrible reviews from people. I, was, I loved it, but smelled terrible. If you get enough of these like one, two star reviews, you're just gonna be sunk. Like all of us shop on Amazon for the most part. You probably do the same thing that I do. And if you see something that's like two and a half stars, you scroll right past it. So um, it's very critical. And then pricing policy. Included an example here of these dumb, dumb lollipops that was recently in the news. is in a big Bloomberg article and it kind of went um, nationwide. Uh, dum Dums, which, pardon the name, uh, was selling a 500 pack of these lollipops at Costco for 15 bucks, and they had an Amazon exclusive one to get around Amazon's pricing policy, uh, selling a 400 pack for $26. Of course, what happened? People bought their 500 pack at Costco, they threw it up on Amazon and as the 400 pack, and they sold it for less than Dum Dums was selling it, and then Dum Dums went and made nationwide news saying, Amazon's pricing policy is unfair. I mean, it seems more unfair to the customers, um, but for the most part, of course, people are buying a Costco membership. You want to be able to sell for a lower price at Costco, but you can't make that big of a difference that people can literally buy it there and sell it profitably underneath you on Amazon. So this idea of having an Amazon exclusive pack size so you get around the pricing policy isn't a bad idea. Doing it that drastically of a difference in price is the bad idea. You, like a $2 difference would have been fine. No one's gonna undercut them because there's no profit to be made. A $10 difference and a different pack size, it, you got killed. But that's what all the articles say. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna rip through a lot of this. This could be a whole topic in itself, but listing optimization is obviously like the real first name of the game, making sure your listing is dialed in. What does this mean? What do you have to take advantage of on Amazon? So you have well SEO'd title, bullet points, bullet points being those five key product features, it calls it. Um, Backend search terms are just a field in your listing. You get to put in about 250 characters worth of search terms you're telling Amazon that are important to you. Um, product description, A plus content. A plus content is the images and text that are kind of below the fold on an Amazon listing. You'll see them down there. Only available if you registered your trademark with Amazon. Hero image, which I'll call the main image, that stands out from the competition fills the entire square. There's really strict requirements around your hero image, has to be on a white background, has to be kind of cut out, only supposed to be the product. You can get a little creative with that. You can add like an ingredient beside it to make it stand out. You can change your coloring, change your sizing, put the package beside it, put the box beside it, different things like that. Get a little creative and make sure that your hero image stands out from the competition to get people to click. Number one thing you can do is just literally Photoshop your different hero image examples in the search results that would come up and see if you do stand out from the competition. Um, full set of images that explain the product well. One of our clients put this best in one of our calls. Um, would think of each image on an Amazon listing as kind of an individual ad that sells the product on its own or sells some different feature of it. So on an Amazon listing, you've always seen it. You have like six, seven images or so. As you scroll through them, you could have each one be a different feature of it. If you're talking running shoes, your second image on the listing has you know a little line coming off of the bottom. It's using the best proprietary foam. Your third one is look at this amazing red color that we have, things like that. You use your different images to sell it because most people aren't reading the bullets. No one's reading your gross SEO'd title that's full of keywords. So use the images to sell your product in the same way that you would use the bullets. Usually you're repeating the same things in both, but most people aren't gonna look at both. So make sure they're in the images. Don't just use your images to be like six different angles of the shot of the same product. Um, brand story and A plus content. Brand story is quite new. It's a little section you can put some images in to tell the story of your brand. I mentioned A plus content and good uses of brand voice, colors and style. A lot of brands aren't doing a good job being consistent with those images and their A plus content. A lot of brands, if you go to their website and compare it to their Amazon listings, there is a big drastic difference. You can make them look quite similar at this point. Amazon's A plus content is even opening up more to have premium A plus. You can put videos in here, you can have carousels. There's a lot you can do. So making sure you use that well and keep it decently branded, make it look good. Um, professional video, 
always having a video on your listing. By professional, I don't mean it has to be like a professionally shot commercial. You could use UGC, just professionally cut it up decently, things like that. Um, extras, rating reviews, of course. There's only so much you can do there. Um, having a good Q&A section. I think this is becoming more important and I'm paying more attention to it lately. Maybe possibly not telling you to, but possibly asking fake leading questions and then answering them from the brand might be a decent strategy. Um, <laughs> putting virtual bundles on your listing. This is just uh, virtual, but it's, is what it sounds like. Um, but they do take up real estate underneath your listing, which pushes down competitors' ads on your stuff because, as you know, everywhere on Amazon, there's going to be competitors. Um, so Mighty Patch, which just sold for $650 million, which was, I think, like a 14 times EBITDA multiple, I think is what they got for it. Um, this is just an example of these different listing things. Again, I'll go through it quickly. Their hero image is decent. They're already a relatively well-known brand, so they don't have to do a lot here other than put their name in big, bold letters. Um, but, you know, it's a very clear listing image. Their title has a bunch of keywords in it. Their bullets, they're even still using emojis in their bullets, which I would think if you got this big, Amazon would start cracking down. Apparently not. Um, even in a brand this big, they still have emojis in their bullets, which definitely are not allowed, but... <laughs> um, the one big thing I want to point out is there's an ad here, there's an ad here, there's an ad up here for all these different competitors, which I could say Mighty Patch maybe isn't doing the best job defending their listing against competitors because they could be cross-advertising their products on their own listing. At the same time, they were probably trying to squeeze out profit, so I bet they cut back advertising really quick right before they sold it. <laughs> so these are their other listing images, as I said, using these images as different branding. They do a little bit of a different thing than most brands on Amazon do where they didn't just inject their branding into their images. Instead, they did very clear. The first three images are just straight up zoomed in on a face. This is what it is. Have a pimple, put this on, gets rid of it. Three very clear, simple images, right to the point. They didn't inject a lot of branding, which a more power to them. They know what they're doing too. Um, and then how to use and right at the end, uh, two cross-sells of some of their other products. Get these for this other nighttime routine. And then the last one being some message from the founder. And you can see using a lot of text in a lot of these images to help sell them um, because most people aren't reading what's in your stuff. Did you know that 71% of U.S. consumers plan to shop online during the holiday months or that 62% of them want to be reminded about your offers via email? To discover how shoppers plan to spend this holiday season, download Wunderkind's 2022 Consumer Insights Report. It's full of vital data surrounding preferred shopping locations, communication channels, purchase influences, and more. Visit wunderkind.co DTC to download the Consumer Insights Report now and find out how to reach your customers. That's wunder, W-U-N-D-E-R, kind.co DTC to download today. Um, okay, that's all the listing stuff onto the entire advertising machine of Amazon. Um, three different main ad types on Amazon. Sponsored brands, these are the ones that are at the top of search right here. They're also smaller at the bottom of search, but for the most part, these are the ones I'm talking about when I talk about sponsored brands. You have an image, you have a small bit of a headline, you get your brand logo, real small, um, and you get three products. Um, these also include video ads that are somewhere halfway down the page. Sponsored product ads are these ones all over the website. These are four at the top row of search. They're also dispersed all throughout search. Amazon specifically changes up where they are in search on purpose, so you don't notice that they're ads all the time. But they just look like every other search result. They're just a product that's in the list. Um, and sponsored display ads are a lot more ad-y. They look more like an ad show up places like this on the side, more like a banner ad, they can show up at the top. Um, a lot of time they might even show up on your homepage on Amazon. These follow you around the website a little bit less, a little bit different from the other types. All of it's basically pay-per-click. There's a little bit coming out of that now, but most of it's pay-per-click. Uh, so sponsored products, there's a couple really key points here. Sponsored products relevance of their ad is directly tied to product relevance, but there's still internal campaign relevance that exists. So what I mean by this is if your running shoe is ranked like number six for the word running shoe, you have huge internal relevance to that word. If you're advertising to the word running shoe, that sponsored product ad has a much higher chance of showing up than someone who's ranked on the third page for that same word. So the relevance of your product to that keyword affects 
how much you're going to show up in search results, not only organically, but also for these sponsored product ads. It also affects how much you're paying per click for those product ads as well, because as I said earlier, Amazon's main goal, show the products that they think people are more likely to buy. If your product is not more likely to be bought by someone, you're paying more for that click. Um, also directly affects your ranking. If you're gonna sell a lot with that ad to running shoes, it also ties back the other way around. Um, so Amazon knows you're selling a lot to the word running shoes, ad or not, it's working, they'll move you up in those organic search results. And this is a big part of how you get up there is running ads like this. Um, sponsor brand ads. Um, so the relevance of these ads, because they're not advertising one product directly, they're advertising three typically, their relevance is tied directly to the campaign rather than the product itself. What I'm, what's interesting about this is same example, let's say you're advertising a running shoe, let's say you're on the 10th page of running shoes, no one buys it when you're advertised to running shoes. But when you have a headline that says, our running shoe has the best foam, I don't know, I'm not a big running shoe guy, I don't know why I use it for my example with everything. Um, but if you have some really perfect headline that's nailing it, that ad at the top could be performing quite well, and that ad has its own relevance tied to it, that only compares to those other ads. So you're not comparing to the 20 pages of running shoes, you're comparing to like the 25, 30 sponsored brand ads that are running. And so you have a much higher chance of getting that relevance for your own campaign. And this also brings in the second part here where I say can direct to a store page. So Amazon has an entire different feature. You can build an Amazon store page. What you can do with your Amazon store page, you can build out funnels here. So if you have, let's say a women's trail running shoe is what you're selling. You could have a store page specifically built out specifically for women. This is the women's running shoe page. You have this sponsored brand ad that shows up to the word women's running shoes. Someone clicks on that image, they click on that headline, they go to that store page. This page is specifically built for them. It sells them on it. And that store page doesn't have competitor ads on it, which is of course a huge plus because your product page does. Um, what's the big deal about this is that because that relevance is tied to that ad, if you can get a higher click-through rate and a higher conversion rate because you're sending to a store page rather than sending to a product page, and that store page is perfectly tailored to that person that searched it, then your conversion rate's higher, your click-through rate's higher, and your ad gets shown more. It's like a perpetual cycle that as the ad does better, it gets further reach, and it's cheaper per click. It's the same way that if you have a super good, engaging ad, on Facebook or Instagram, they're gonna show it more and they're gonna give you lower CPMs. Same thing applies here. If this is a super engaging ad, then people are, Amazon's gonna show it more. Just the difference in engagement is Amazon judges it on sales. Um, sponsored display is that last ad type. It's a lot going on with it and a lot of changes recently. Um, similar to sponsored brand, relevance is tied to the campaign itself. Uh, similarly, it can have a brand logo, 50 character headline, a lifestyle, lifestyle image in it. Difference here is you can target some different things. You can target Amazon audiences and their data. You can retarget your own or competitor products. And the difference here is it follows you around the website. So if you're targeting someone who viewed your page in the last 30 days with a sponsored display ad, and later on you're on the website this, this customer is on the website shopping for something entirely different, they could see this ad on their homepage or on an entirely different product page. It's not keyword based, it's not product targeting based, it's based on this audience type of stuff, more like a traditional ad. Um, so uh, getting into campaign structure, again, I'm gonna rip through a lot of this. Basically every single ad type you can break down into different segments and how to target with them. So I'll do it all with sponsored product because it basically applies to the rest of them and sponsored product makes the most simple sense. Um, first, an auto campaign. This is just letting Amazon take the wheel, show my product to wherever you think it's best to show it. What we do here typically is we run really aggressive negatives. So we'll have keywords and competitor products. We'll have all of those as negatives in the auto campaign because we want that auto campaign to actually do its job of exploring, finding us new keywords, finding us new product targets that are working. Its job is to explore, not to really do much on its own. I want to know what's doing well on its own and the auto campaign doesn't really work for that. So we use it for exploration. Product targeting is targeting competitors' ASINs, targeting competitor products. So you can tell Amazon to show your sponsored product ad on this competitor products page. You can also show it on your branded product pages, and that's where I got into that branded defense that I said about Mighty Patch. You should be advertising on your own products, both to cross-sell one product to another, as well as to 
defend your own listing from competitor ads underneath your listing. If you go to any listing on Amazon, you scroll down, you're gonna see a bunch of competitor ads. If you have a large enough catalog, you can fill that entire row with your own ads. And because you're advertising on your own brand, you're incredibly relevant. So those clicks are typically quite cheap and definitely a lot cheaper than your competition's getting on your own product page. So that's why I say here, branded typically has a high row as, competitor ads somewhere in the mid row as, and you can do a full just blanket category, or yeah, blanket category targeting where you're just going to the entire category, typically low to mid row as. And then keyword targeting is of course the big beast that helps with all the different ranking. Break this down similarly, branded, competitor, generic. By branded, I mean your branded, your brand name as a keyword, as a search term. Also, if you have some very unique selling feature, I call that branded too. If people are specifically searching for that, that's branded in my opinion. Um, competitor, of course, your competitor brand names. You put your Nike, your Adidas, your Brooks, your New Balance in here. Target their brand names and see if you can convert some of those away. Um, and then generic is all of the rest of it. Running shoes, trail running shoes, women's running shoes, men's running shoes, whatever the keywords are that are applicable to your product. And then even further, I'll typically split those into low volume, mid volume, high volume, depending on how much volume those keywords have in them. Um, before setting up all of your campaigns, you typically do a pretty deep dive into keyword research, usually using some third-party tool to do that. And that deep dive of keyword research gives you how much volume there is for each keyword. Maybe 50,000 people search running shoes every month. Only 2,000 people search women's trail running shoes every month. So typically your high volume keywords are gonna have the lowest ROAS because you have the most competition, but they're the most valuable to rank on because there's a lot more people searching them. Flip side of that is your really low volume keywords, not a lot of searches, you typically run at a higher ROAS because a lot less competition trying to rank up for those keywords. Okay, segment even further than that. So each of those different low volume, mid volume, high volume, I segment that further into different types of campaigns. So like I said, if you have trail running shoes as a segment, then segment that out. Have multiple campaigns to the word trail running shoes. So we have a high volume, mid volume, low volume to trail running shoe keywords. We have high volume, mid volume, low volume to women's running shoe keywords, to men's running shoe keywords. Not only does this make it easy to eventually go up and set those sponsored brand funnels that go to your store pages with those store pages built out, but also in the sponsored product sense, now you have data on what's working at a very high level. You don't need to dive into your campaigns, go into the ad group, go into the ad, see what keywords are working in here. What's, what are we converting on? You have it at a campaign level. Your campaign's literally named trail running shoe keywords, women's running shoe keywords. You see the ROAS at a high level and you see what keywords are working and you can very quickly identify what segments should we lean into more, what segments aren't working, turn off or change campaigns based on that. Similarly with the competitor names. You might convert super well to Nike because Nike uh, isn't really on Amazon. They don't really try. Uh, Adidas, big time, is on Amazon. So you might convert really well to Nike, but you might not convert at all to Adidas. So separating out those competitor names, rather than just having a catch-all competitor keyword campaign with all your competitor brand names in it, we segment those pretty heavily. And if it was brands like Nike, we'd probably have multiple campaigns because they probably have a ton of different searches. And then, yeah, separating out your branded even to different types of your branded terms if necessary. Okay, so... A lot of Amazon advertising, a lot of the industry is moving towards using automation software to control a lot of it. There's some very large companies that control a large chunk of Amazon's ad spend that run entirely on automation to do basically all of it. Very shortly, what does that automation do? Really, it's a bid automation, bid optimization for the most part. So. Amazon's algorithm is just working on an auction, of course, to show your ad, which is just your bid compared to your competitor's bid with some sort of relevance factor built in there. So what all this automation software does is it just takes how much revenue you get per click, times it by your target ad cost of sale to get a target bid based on your current performance. It moves your bid daily uh, based on that for all of your targets. So. Internally, we definitely do use a bid optimization software because if we're gonna build all of those campaigns with all of those segments, it's almost impossible to manage all of those manually. So we do use a bid optimization software to make these small changes. Problem with a lot of these bid optimization softwares, and I would recommend if you do use one, definitely test them and make sure you know how they work. The differentiation comes from how they handle the low data. Um, so if you have no clicks, this formula falls apart. How do you decide what to do with the bid if you have no clicks? Almost all the bid optimization software out there tanks bids. 
down to nearly zero. It only advertises on the ones that it has the data on. And so it's very, very overly conservative. And this is where a balance of actually having a human do a lot of this makes a lot of sense. To move on beyond that, uh, a lot of them will say that they use some sort of AI technology or black box to control all of this. What this really means is, one, moving performing keywords down a broad phrase to exact match funnel, meaning if I'm targeting the word running shoes broad match, I could show up to anything that has the words running and shoe in it together in any order. And so if you're targeting the word running shoe broad match, you show up for someone searching trail running shoes for women. Now you want to use that word, trail running shoes for women, you want to put it in an exact match because you want to control the bid on that exactly to make sure it's more profitable in the long run. Um, so that's first thing that they'll do. Second, and would say you should do. Um, second is picking initial keywords through reverse ASIN search. What I mean by this is you could throw a competitor into a lot of different tools and get all the keywords that it's indexed for. What this full automation software does, it will do that job and just start testing all the keywords that the competitor is indexing for. Problem here is you probably don't want to advertise to all the keywords that your competitor is indexed for. I'm sure a lot of them aren't relevant to you, and you only want to advertise to the things that are relevant to you. So it'll basically just spend to learn that that's a bad idea. If you had human intervention at some point, you would know not to do that. Um, and you would also not take forever to find all the keywords that are relevant, which most Automation will do because it has to test everything over a long period of time. That's kind of the downsides of it. Uh, day parting, budget automation, reporting has a whole bunch of other different features. For the most part, they're useless. Day parting is becoming more of a thing because Amazon's beta just came out with some Amazon marketing stream that might give us more up-to-date data. So maybe day parting becomes a thing in Amazon. But for the most part, the rest of it, I would say, uh, isn't really doable. And I hate when people use the term AI or black box because I did my master's defense using AI stuff, so every time they say that, it pisses me off. Because it's very simple algebra. You don't need AI to do this. Um, so automation software manually managed. You do both, in my opinion, if you want to do this right. You have someone who knows what they're doing, manually set up your campaigns, manually do the keyword research, manually set everything up, use a bit automation software in the background to help move things up and down a little bit, depending on performance, and match that. Okay. That's all I think of that stuff. Now we get into the weeds, the good stuff. So in case that wasn't into the weeds enough for any of you that are really into Amazon advertising like I am, um, if I lose any of you here, please bear with me. I'll very happily answer any questions at the end, but just getting really into it. Um, product targeting is not what it seems. Um, a keyword targeted sponsored product campaign can display not only in the search results, but it can also show up on product pages. So if I am targeting the word I don't even know any Nike shoes. All of these examples. Um, if I am searching Nike Air 1s, Nike makes those, yeah, I think. Um, if I'm searching Nike Air 1s on Amazon, or I'm putting that as an, a keyword in my sponsored product campaign that I want to target, not only can I show up in the search results for that, but I can show up on products that are indexed highly for that term. This is very important because Amazon doesn't tell you that you're showing up on products that index for that term. It just tells you that you're showing up on the keyword. So you could be targeting that word, thinking that you're doing really well. You're really selling well to the word Nike Air 1s, but you're not. You're actually selling on some random product page that also happens to sell really well to the word Nike Air 1s. A little bit of a differentiation there. That makes it a little weird to do. Flip side of that is if you specifically are targeting the product, the Nike Air 1 shoe on Amazon, and you only want to show on the product page, those ads can do the flip side of that. And you can show up on any word, for the most part, that that shoe indexes for. And Amazon doesn't tell you what that word was either, which is a really fun thing that we get to deal with. So if we're targeting that shoe, we only want to show on that shoe's product page, Amazon can show us four different terms. Maybe Nike Air 1s are the number one result for basketball shoe. And now we are showing in search results for the word basketball shoe when we never wanted to, because we have an entirely different campaign set up to target basketball shoe. So there is a... There's a few ways to deal with it. It gets even more into the weeds and I won't get into it. But keeping in mind that these possibilities can happen and keeping an eye on your placements section inside your campaign to know what your sponsored product campaigns are actually doing. Also, sometimes you might want to do that because it gets you more relevance to the campaign itself. Um, second big note, a higher bid does not always mean more reach. So if I want to be the number one running shoe no matter what, I am going to set my bid to $20. I'm going to pay 20 bucks for a click. It's ridiculous. I don't care. I have money to burn. I want to be the number one running shoe on Amazon. It's 
probably a terrible idea because you're likely going to show to tons of people off the bat. Every person searching running shoe, Amazon will show you to. They'll happily take your $20 per click. But as I said in the beginning, everything is relevance-based. And if you're going to show to every single person, Amazon knows there's a whole bunch of people there. Like I said, they have every person's purchase data in probably all of the United States. Um, they know there's a whole bunch of people that are likely not to buy your product. And if your bid was lower, they probably wouldn't show it to those people. But because you said you want this super high bid, you want to show to everyone, now you're showing to everyone. What's it's going to do? Of course, you're going to get a worse click-through rate than you normally would. You're going to get a worse conversion rate compared to your competitors. You're going to kill your relevance. And you're going to get a higher and higher cost per click to a point where Amazon is going to be like, this isn't working. We're not going to show your ad anymore, no matter what you set this bid to. So there is a strict balance to try to maintain of making sure you're getting a high conversion rate and a high click-through rate, but still want to set your bid to a point where you're still getting a good amount of reach. So just not going crazy here makes sense, even if it's really that main keyword you want to capture. Amazon ads also consistently defy logic. Too many keywords in one campaign, only a handful will display appropriately. Uh, so all that keyword research you do at the beginning, you spend hours, days, grueling over keywords, thousands, tens of thousands of search terms. You get it all segmented nicely into lists. You make a campaign with 100 search terms in it, and it only shows up to 10 of them, even though you have budgets and bids that give it tons of room to spend. Fun quirk of Amazon's uh, advertising. So to keep in mind, probably don't put too many keywords in a campaign. We try to keep it basically at like a pretty strict maximum of 50, for the most part targeting putting 20 to 25 keywords in a campaign. Uh, broad match or product targeting may also get cheaper cost per clicks to the same keywords as exact match. This also doesn't make a lot of sense, but there is a possibility that your broad match ad to running shoes, maybe it's doing a decent job to the word, like I said, women's trail running shoes. Um, that might build that campaign a little bit of internal relevance that tells Amazon, maybe we should show this campaign a bit more. And that broad match to running shoe might end up showing up more to the exact match term running shoe than the exact match campaign that you have separately that you've been maybe more aggressive with because that campaign itself has its own internal relevance and its own click-through rate and conversion rate metrics that might be a little bit better than when you're just going after running shoe itself because it built it through some of these broad matches. Um, sponsor brand to store, kind of already touched on. Um, sponsor brand ads, I show that those are the ones that are at the top of search a lot of the time. On mobile, they're really at top of search. They take up almost your whole phone screen. Um, these ads, you can set up a 99% bid reduction if you're not top of search. A lot of people will take advantage of this. They'll say, well, I only want it at top of search because I get a super high click-through rate and a really high conversion rate when I'm at top of search. What this typically means is you're paying a ton to get that cost per click because your ad isn't super relevant yet. And like I said, the sponsor brand ad relevance is based on the ad campaign itself, not on the products that are in it. So. Typically what we'll do is we will just leave this uh, placement modifier alone for a little bit, build up the relevance of that campaign for a while to the search terms you're going after, and then eventually let it move up to top of search on its own. And then later on, we might introduce a decrease if it's not top of search, but not until it's built up that click-through rate, that conversion rate, and it's starting to get up to top of search on its own. Because if you do it too early, you're just going to bleed money as you're paying $7, $8 a click to get top of search when Amazon knows you're not relevant yet. Um, lastly, on Into the Weeds of Advertising, uh, very new search query dashboards. Really interesting because it's the first time Amazon's really given us like first party data access to keyword stuff. And they're giving you like your brand share of sales, brand share of conversions to different keywords. So really interesting. You can use some really cool metrics here to get an idea of like, is this actually working to this keyword? Is this driving more organic sales? And it's the first time you've been able to do that. So it's been pretty cool. Um, lastly, the future of Amazon beyond PPC. So I mentioned at the get-go, there is an entirely different Amazon advertising world that exists with display ads both on and off Amazon. They allow for some pretty incredible targeting. You can specifically target people who have been in the market for like granola bars at Whole Foods if you want to. Like you can get some pretty insane access to Amazon's ridiculous amounts of data on their uh, DSP platform. And you can send these ads both to Amazon, but you can also send these ads to your DTC site or wherever else you want to send them using that data. So it's pretty incredible. Um, beyond that, Twitch, 
Prime Video, Fire TV. Amazon's now selling their own TVs that they're Fire TVs. And if you are on the website, any Black Friday, and usually right on the homepage, they're advertising their own Fire TV for cheaper, meaning there's going to be a lot more eyes on Fire TV over time. Um, all of that, of course, gets that incredible attribution all the way down. So you could run an ad, like I said, Amazon's running Thursday Night Football now on Prime Video. You could run an ad on Thursday Night Football and get attribution to actual site sales, which isn't usually a thing you can probably get with a Super Bowl ad. Um, and then lastly, a feature of Amazon is some really new things literally announced like this last week. So Buy With Prime is an invite-only program where you can use the checkout on your website to be Buy With Prime rather than using your own checkout. This, of course, lets you tell uh, people that they can get Prime shipping on your own website, but also they are coming out with possible ways of <laughs> very much teased this at their last like Amazon conference that just happened this last week. Um, they're talking about using Amazon customer data to help run your meta ads in some way. I don't know any more than that, and it's an invite-only program currently, but they're saying that like if you use this Buy With Prime program, we'll give you some sort of access to that data to use it for your meta ad targeting. Um, and then they also announced Amazon warehousing and distribution, which Amazon is now going to have larger warehouses that you get to use, not just for fulfilling Amazon orders or fulfilling straight direct to consumer. You can now use their warehouses to store uh, a lot of things and like larger, longer term storage. And they'll even do like fulfill your wholesale orders or things like that from their warehouses, like any other large warehouse and distribution company. Um, and of course, all the rest of the insane things that they're doing. So Amazon Global Logistics, you can use Amazon's freight now to send things from China or India into the US into sell on Amazon directly using their freight services. So happens FedEx just took a dive in stock price. I wonder why. Um, and then Amazon Global Selling, of course, Amazon makes it a lot easier. I don't want to say super easy. There's still a lot to do with it. But Amazon makes it a lot easier to expand beyond the US into Europe and other international marketplaces because they take a lot of the pain away of having to set up a 3PL and set up a sales channel in that other country. Because you can just basically duplicate your marketplace over and send inventory to an Amazon fulfillment center over there and have them handle most of it. I don't want to get into any of the tax stuff of it because that's a mess, but that's it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>